of 2017 has been the move towards passive investing. There have been $272 billion in inflows in just the first seven months of this year to exchange-traded funds. That's almost as much as seen in the whole of 2016. So why are investors gravitating to passive investing? To find out why, I met with Rick Adkinson, Managing Director at Private Capital. What do we mean by passive investing? Well, it's obviously the uh, direct opposite of um, active investment management. And by passive investment, we generally mean buying the market. Um, a good example of that would be the Hong Kong tracker. That would be passive investing. And we actually like to go a little bit further than that and take a more global approach to passive investing. And we would buy the whole of the market, uh, which roughly is 50% the US. To give you an example, Hong Kong's probably about 1% of the global. So people in Hong Kong are typically... Um, home, what we call home bias. There's too much bias to the home market, so they'll have property, they'll buy the tracker, they've got their MPF, and it's 1% of the globe, and they're missing out on such a lot. So what are the advantages of investing in this way as a, compared to trying to pick individual stocks or sectors or following themes? Well, that's very easy, really. It's a whole heap lot risky, lot less risky. It's very, very, very diversified. A typical portfolio that we will hold will have something like 20,000 positions. It's very, very cost-effective. And we are great believers in uh, controlling the things that we can control. We can't control the markets. We don't know where the markets are going to go up from one day to the next. What we can do is we can control costs, and we like to think we can control client behaviour. So we're great believers in educating clients, keeping them invested, holding their hand when it's, when it's choppy waters. Um, keep them invested, stay the course, don't try and time the markets, don't second guess, don't pick single stocks. Very well diversified in a low-cost manner. And time will reward, um, will, will, will reward you. So when you say it's less risky, it's obviously less risky in the sense that you are not going to underperform the market or whatever benchmark you're tracking, but of course if that market goes down, you're going to go down with it in exactly the same, same amount. Without a doubt, without a doubt. But what we have is we have three, uh, several risk-rated uh, risk portfolios from 15% equities to 100% equities. So you can take as much or as little risk and we take a great deal of effort to uh, risk, explain risk really, and let the client understand what risk they're taking. So you can you can um, insure yourself from the real downs of the market. But without doubt, if the markets come off, you're going to come off with these portfolios. But the best example I can give you is OA. Uh, some of our portfolios were down 40 50%. Within 12 months, they recovered. So had you just remained in the market within 12 months, you were back above where you were. It just shows and demonstrates to us with uh, 30, 40, 100 years' experience in the office that trying to second-guess the market is a futile exercise. Now, people who pick stocks will say they can outperform because they get good research, they have good knowledge of the markets, um, they have a, a, a track on what's going on. Does the evidence bear that out? Do you think that's true? Well, first of all, they're selling the dream. I don't believe it's true because there's plenty of empirical evidence out there that would suggest that most fund managers do not beat the benchmark. And I'll refer you to a website called Spiva, S-P-I-V-A. I won't go into the details here. But if you look at the evidence, they will show you that 85% of U.S. fund managers do not beat the benchmark. So therefore, it's leaving people like ourselves looking for the 15% that do. 
Now, when we look at the 15% that have done, there's no guarantee those 15% are going to continue to do so. There will be some good for managers amongst that 15%. Many of them will be closed, locked uh, to new money, uh, and many of them are just not obtainable, not accessible to, to, to retail investors. And, of course, if you are um, doing an active investment strategy and you miss the benchmark, you're going to have fees on top of that as well, which are much higher than um, the strategies that you're describing. Very, very much so. And that is the main reason why active fund management doesn't work, because it's the, the, the charges. And, uh, and sadly, a lot of these active fund managers, uh, and I mean this very, in a respectful way, there's some good ones out there, we all know that, but many of them are what we call closet huggers of benchmarks. So you're paying, you know, for, you're paying, you're basically paying one, two, three percent for what you could get for the Vanguard example, probably 0 0.22, 0 0.2 basis points. And high fees compound over time, so they take a big bite out of the performance, whereas this type of investing could be a boon for savers um, who want to actually try and get some performance. Sure. Um, we, everybody knows about compound, well, most people know about uh, compound interest. Einstein said it was the eighth wonder of the world. We've focused the last several years on the, the effects of negative compounding with the fee drag. Um, so, again, it's one of those things that we look to control because we can control it. So uh, by, my advice is buy the market and don't buy, um, <laughs> don't second guess, don't, don't buy... Generally, don't buy active fund managers. And how big is this market getting? We're hearing all sorts of stories about how much money is going into exchange-traded funds and index trackers, and that in some markets it's now 50% of the daily volume. What sort of, um, sort of data are you seeing? Well, over the last one year, Vanguard's attracted $181 billion US dollars, um, which is quite a significant mm. sum. Um, the active management brigade will tell you that once it reaches a certain level, there'll be no market and it will all collapse. It's a load of nonsense because what will happen is this shakeout in the industry will, will get rid of a lot of active fund managements that are overpriced. There's too many of them. Uh, the, the, if you look at the recent acquisition of uh, Aberdeen by Standard Life, There'll be a lot of funds closed down. They'll disappear from the records. But the Spiva website that I referred to earlier takes into account all the funds that either fail or get closed or get shut down. All that's taken into, into the melting pot. So what, what will happen, I believe, is that when it does reach a certain level, nobody knows whether that's 70 or 80 or 90, whatever it is, but a whole new swathe of smart guys will come back to the market and we'll reinvent the wheel, and off we'll go again with a load more active fund managers. But there will be a big shakeout. There's a massive drive on costs. There's been a big, a really big um, investigation in, in the UK on the active management side because billions and billions and billions of dollars and pounds are being taken from, from investors, uh, and, it, and it's just wrong. And what sort of things could you track? I mean, obviously, we know about the major indices, but could you track bond indices, commodities, real estate? Are they all possible now? Yeah, but what we do, uh, we take a very simple approach. We look at the globe. We look at the whole globe, of which I mentioned Hong Kong's 1%. The US is circa 50%. The UK is about 7 or 8 And we buy the whole globe. Now, within our portfolios, depending on the client risk, we may have... Um, a 15 or 20 percent weight into bonds and again we do the same thing we take the whole global bonds and we there's a few levers pulled with a little bit of extra exposure to emerging markets 
smaller cap uh, rather than large cap, but they are very, very fine balances that we use a company that uh, that's backs, it, backs, backs all this up with scientific research and evidence, empirical evidence that suggests this is the way you can eke out a little bit of extra return. So our aim is to not to beat the benchmark, but to get as close as we can to the benchmark. That was Rick Adkinson of Private Capital. Thank you very much for listening to Money Talk Extra this weekend. I hope you've enjoyed the programme. Next week, we'll look at how to save for your children's education. And in our investment segment, we'll examine Bitcoin. So please do join Jimmy and me next Saturday at the same time. In the meantime, have a great weekend. That was Money Talk Extra with Peter Lewis. He'll be back at the same time next Saturday. That program was produced by Phil Whelan. Time to take a listen to some messages. Sometimes it rains. You get injured. New shoes get scuffed. An exam is flunked. All efforts are in vain. Your project team doesn't show up, and you're starving, but there's no time for breakfast. Though troubling at the time, these are only trivial matters when you look back. In face of difficulties, don't give up, and you'll find success. Think on a broader plane, unwind and relax. Weather. Your weather forecast for today, sunny periods with a few showers, hot with a maximum temperature of around 32 degrees, light to moderate southerly winds. The outlook mainly fine apart from isolated showers in the next couple of days. Got more music coming up here on Radio 3 with me, Judd Boaz and The Juice, taking you all the way until 1pm today, so stay tuned for that. 29 degrees at the minute, 81% relative humidity. We've got the news coming up next.